fourth time. This is First Time for Everything. I'm Jordan Rizzieri. And I'm Adam Richardson. Welcome to the news. That's what it sounds like. That is what it sounds like, isn't it? But we're going to stick with it. And next week when we do it, I'm just going to flow into the next section without referencing the intro because nobody wants to hear me do that every week, do they? Unless I do a silly voice every week and then you'll have to comment on what the silly voice is. Okay, sounds good. So here we are, episode four. Um, we're doing it. We, we, we're being consistent. We're releasing every week. It's working out so far and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, everybody has who's got in touch seems to be enjoying it as well. So that's been a, an absolute delight. Did you enjoy last week's episode? I loved last week's episode. And some of my friends have said that they um, are very glad that they're still working from home because they were cackling while listening to last week's episode. And so they're glad they weren't listening to it in a public place like on the train or something. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My mum, I spoke to my mum yesterday and she said she really enjoyed it. So it's got my mum's seal of approval. She'll be listening now as well. So hello, mum. Hi, Adam's mom. <laughs> She'll love that. Yeah, so last week, if you missed it, in case you don't know what we're talking about, we did speak to Rich Wilson, comedian and podcaster Rich Wilson, about the first time he went on a plane. And uh, yeah, it, it, it went places we weren't expecting it to. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I think it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. And you and I talked about it after after the episode, but I take a lot of pride in making a comedian laugh. It makes me feel good because I am not a comedian. But, you know, it's nice to make other people laugh, especially after the 18 months that we've all had. Making one another laugh is like one of the last true joys of this rotten world. Sure is. <laughs> Cannot wait until you make me laugh one day. Oh. So. this <laughs> Oh, listen, if only you could see the video. And Jordan's face right now. I feel terrible. You're in such a good mood and I've really brought it down. Anyway, let's crack on with this week's episode. Um, I should tease that we will, of course, be talking about our uh, the first times, the first uh, or the, the things we've tried for the first time this week. Dog therapy and ASMR. Mm-hmm. If that's not a tease, I'll get you listening to the end. I don't know what is. Uh, but we should move on to this week's guest. Who is it? It's Sangeeta Pillai. Yes. And Sankita, uh, as you'll see and hear, is going to be talking about the first time she made a podcast, um, which is obviously something we all all have in common and can talk about. Um, But if you haven't ever made a podcast and you're not intending to, it's still a really interesting conversation, as as you're going to hear and find out very soon. Uh, Sankita is an activist and a writer and speaker, and she's the founder of the South Asian feminist network Soul Sutras. Um, But she also put together the Masala podcast, and we're going to hear all about that now. Should we get into it right away? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of great stuff in here. I didn't know what a tiffin was until we talked to Sangeeta. So. Boom. Let's have a listen to Sangeeta Pillai talking about the first time she made a podcast. So, yeah, I thought it'd be quite good to talk about initially um, just sort of before you started uh, doing anything to do with podcasting yourself how aware were you of podcasts were you were you listening to podcasts so this is where I tell you a really bad secret I had no idea what a podcast was and I was so bad that I literally went on Google I kid you not I think this was before I did uh, Sound Up, which was 2018, right, November. And I think a couple of months before, someone said, you should do a podcast. And I literally typed into Google, what is a podcast? Uh, wow. And I was like, there's some sort of, it's something like, how is this different from radio? I really honestly didn't know that. 
And then I just found this like this whole world of things that existed that I'd never experienced. And I started listening to people. So before I started thinking about my own podcast, I had like zero knowledge about a podcast. I mean, this is an awful thing to say, but here we are. <laughs> I think there's still so many people who have absolutely no idea about um, about podcasts, which for people who <clears throat> work in podcasting or are big, big listeners, you just think, how? Like, it's huge now. But when you look at the percentages of people who, who do listen regularly, there's still a lot of people out there who don't which is quite encouraging, I guess, sort of, it you know, is for people very starting new podcasts and when, you know, there's going to be so many people who haven't discovered yours yet. Um, and has that changed? Obviously, we'll talk about your journey, but do you now listen to, to lots? I listen to a few. I don't listen to maybe as many podcasts as a few sort of podcast fanatics maybe out there. But I listen mm. to the things I love. And for me, I think that's important. So I'm not somebody who says, oh, I'm going to check out what all the other cool podcasts are doing. It's kind of me sort of... Uh, it's my. It's a very personal relationship with podcasts. So I listen to things like uh, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's um, "Feel Better, Live More" or Esther Perel's uh, podcast. You know, things that kind of uh, interest me and inspire me about human beings and mm. about connection and about kind of what it means to be human today and how we become better humans today and live with other people. So that's what interests me, I think, and that's kind of maybe what comes what I try and do in my podcast as well, sort of each interview is a real opportunity for me to kind of connect with who they are, like who they really are rather than the name or the brand or whatever they might be. What's their story? What really touches them? What upsets them? So I think that's what I'm interested in. So those are the things I listen to. Don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what I do. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too because I and maybe we'll get into this, but sometimes people don't realize that being a podcast host can sometimes be like a little emotionally exhausting and so you need to make sure you're refilling that well. And so I think it's really interesting that the podcasts you chose are clearly like refilling your well so that when it's time for you to go back to work on the podcast, you're you're ready to be right there for your guests. Yeah, and I think Talking about refilling wells, I think that's a really important thing for us as podcasters to note, whether that's with our guests or as our, for ourselves. You know, sort of before each interview, I'll spend, you know, uh, at least one or two calls with the guests to sort of chat to them, to tell them a little bit about kind of where I come from and, you know, what I bring. Rather than, hey, I'm somebody and I'm interviewing you and this is all business. It's not that for me at all. So it's about really connecting them with them, being vulnerable myself with them before and during the interview. And also afterwards, sort of making sure they're okay. You know, we always try and when, when in before times, you know, we, we were sitting across my kitchen table, which is where I am now. And they'd sit across and I'd sit across and may, I'll make a cup of chai. And we just chat. And that is really important to me, that kind of aftercare, as it's called. And the same for me. So when I do a podcast and I try not to keep anything for the one half of the day because I think I put so much of myself into it emotionally that I need to kind of then replenish if that makes sense yeah totally yeah I think it's so interesting now with people recording over over the internet how you can have these these big chats and obviously some podcasts are hugely uh you know people are opening themselves up so much and then you just press the little red hang up button shut your laptop and then suddenly that's it. You don't have that little decompression time that you may have, as you say, to have a cup of chai or to even even the process of leaving the building, getting on the tube, um, traveling home and sort of decompressing. 
you just shut your laptop and all of a sudden it's over and you're like, oh, right, okay, did that actually happen? But I guess there's probably quite a few people who are listening now who are, are really intrigued. You know, there will be some people listening who haven't heard your podcast, Sangeeta. So obviously it would be good to talk about what, what it is. And obviously, you know, this is first time for everything. We're going to talk about your first time and you've decided to focus on the first time you created a podcast. So how did it start? You know, how did it, how did it all work? How did you decide you wanted to do one? So uh, like a lot of things in my life, it's happened by a beautiful accident. So I was on a Facebook, I think one night and one of the Facebook groups that I once was on, someone posted that there's a podcasting competition for uh, women of color. Uh, and you need to send in your page. And I think it was literally the last day. I think I, I think I saw it at about 9 p.m. or something. And then I literally sat down. I remember writing this pitch out. It was a couple of sentences long. Uh, sent it to apply to Spotify sound up. And then I got a call back and had a call with somebody on the panel. Um, and from there started the journey of uh, creating this podcast, uh, of not knowing really what was involved from, you know, what did I need? How did I record it? Where did I put it? How did I tell people about it? You know, all the kind of basics of it. Um, so that kind of competition, Spotify Sound Up, I think really helped me figure out what I was doing, uh, why it was important to me. And I think sometimes the why, I always say, is the why is more important than the what, because people always, I think, new podcasters or those who want to create podcasts will spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, what's the kit and what's the technology? And I always say, that stuff you can figure out. But what is it? Why mm -hmm. do you do this? Um, would you keep doing this if no one ever paid you to do this? Uh, you know, we want to be paid. It's not that we don't. But, you know, is it really something you, you just bang on about all the time? This is what I bang on about all the time. So it was sort of sitting there and sort of thinking about South Asian women and taboos in the culture, which is what Masala Podcast is all about. That's something I've been talking about since I was, I don't know, since I could talk, really, with, without really understanding that that's what I have this kind of rebelling, this sort of questioning, this sort of challenging things that we were taught to South Asian women is kind of what I've always done. So the podcast, mm. I felt, allowed me an opportunity or as a platform, I thought, oh, my God, now I can reach, I don't know, millions of women who uh, maybe think like me or want to hear this. And it was super exciting. So the journey was from there. The mechanics of it came later. But I think the idea, the exciting bit for me was that, oh my God, I'm in the ears of the women that I really want to talk to. And we're having this really intimate conversation about very personal topics sometimes. Uh, so from there, I got the idea together. Winning the competition really helped because it gave me a lot of confidence, I think. Um, we had to pitch at the end of that uh, what they call a boot camp week to the head of um, I've got five minutes to pitch to the head of BBC Audio, Google uh, and who was it? Apple uh, Podcast so you got five oh, minutes wow. and they got five minutes to ask you questions so I remember standing there in that room uh, and there were ten of us and I could see it was a really supportive group so I could see all of them sort of looking at me going yeah you know. and um, I remember pitching and it's you know, I'm not the most confident of people, but it was one of those moments when I finished, I thought, you know, I think I might have got that. Like I had this really quiet moment of knowing that I'd done really well and the kind of fire in what I was saying communicated to the judges and everybody else. So that's kind of how it started. 
That's crazy, isn't it? That literally, it is. that a lot of more people are starting podcasts these days, and I doubt many people who are listening have set up their own will have started by pitching to companies like that. That was that terrifying for you beforehand, or were you just because you don't know the industry? You just like, yeah, let's give it a go. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. I didn't know about podcasts beforehand anyway. I'll just forget about them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try it, and then I'll go do something else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was terrifying, if I'm honest, you know, because I didn't know the podcasting world, but I knew BBC, I knew Google, I knew Apple, mm, right? And these were kind of the senior representatives in those companies. So there was a lot riding on it. And also because if you imagine, if it's like, it's like a week-long uh, crash course, so we spent, I don't even know how many hours that is, thinking about it, talking about it, writing our pitches, you know, uh, looking at who our audience is, what our kind of voice was and all of that. We just felt like all of that was condensed into those five minutes. And also I felt this kind of almost this responsibility to the women in my community to say that I need to get these five minutes right because it's for me and it's for all of them. Um, and it was it was terrifying. I won't I won't lie. It was really <laughs> nerve wracking. Um, but I think kind of all my uh, I've worked in advertising for many many years about 20 years of kind of pitching and getting your pitch really really right so I think that came yeah. into play and then kind of that kind of part of my brain just switched on and I just went um, so that's how it was scary but good what was the the boot camp itself like when you got there were you like whoa this isn't what I thought it was going to be because if you don't know anything about podcasts I'm sure the first time they start introducing you know, some of the, the structural stuff, the tech stuff, especially like where do you host podcasts and all that kind of stuff might have been a little a little overwhelming. So I'm just curious. So it, it wasn't overwhelming, no, um, because, again, the work I'd done, I've, I come from an industry where you've got to learn about things very quickly. So you might get so advertising. I don't know, you get a toilet paper brand and suddenly you've got to read about toilet paper and know everybody that's in it and what goes into it and whatever. I don't know why I said toilet paper, but do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you've got to get to grips with something very quickly. So I'm used to, I think, taking in a lot of information. Um, but I think what surprised me was how big podcasting was as an industry. I hadn't really factored that in before I pitched and got into the competition. And I, to me, it was like a little thing that some people did. I didn't really kind of get how big it was, and especially in the US and kind of, you know, and in the UK and places like that. So that was a little bit like, oh, wow, this is a massive thing that I'm entering into. And I think the other thing that really, really helped was uh, with the cohort of that year, everybody was so supportive of everybody else. It was a competition, but there wasn't really any competitiveness, really. Um, so everyone was, uh, all the women on there, were very supportive of one another, very kind of like, you know, they really wanted you to do well. And that was a really good feeling. So it felt good. It felt really, really good. It's awesome. Great. And I, I wonder how much the fact that you didn't really know about podcasts influenced how it, how it all panned out, because I would imagine there were some women there who may have been massive podcast fans and may have gone into it thinking, well, I really want to try and emulate this idea. And I really like the way that this person presents. And I've, I quite like the idea of doing this, but I can't do that because that already exists in this podcast. Whereas you're just going in there with, you know, a blank page and you can kind of do anything you like. I imagine that probably helped you, do you think? I think it probably helped me massively because, you know, when mm. um, 
you kind of know a lot about anything. There's a lot of kind of fear of failure and kind of performance and all of this stuff comes in as well. I think looking back now, I'm so glad I didn't know anything because I just went in there and it's like, okay, I'm here. Here's me. How do I make a podcast now? And also I think what really helped me was an absolute belief in the work that I do. So for me, kind of soul sutras and masala podcast and everything that I do, it comes from a very deeply personal space of wanting to change things in my community. Uh, and that's a very strong thing and I've kind of carried that all my life and I'm now finally doing the work, I think. So that is the key. So everything else didn't phase me, if that makes any sense. It was like, I know why I'm here. There's a very pure purpose for what I'm doing here. It's almost not to win a podcasting competition, but to kind of create things that my South Asian sisters can really resonate with. There was a difference. And I think that really helped me. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So obviously you were very successful with, with that on that course and uh, came out on top and Spotify were there and then there to support you in helping set up your podcast. What did that actually mean? So once you'd, you'd left, you got home a few weeks later or whatever, you were ready to start making it. How much help were you provided? How much were you expected just to be doing by yourself? Um, so a lot of it was self-driven. Um, I think mm. the majority of the help came in that week with the understanding of marketing and technology and distribution channels and all of that. Uh, so I'd say that week was the most intense kind of help. And then it was sort of help insofar as kind of being able to talk to some of the people from Spotify. So we got kind of assigned a few people and they were really supportive uh, in hearing kind of your journey and things like that. But um, that year it was pretty much self-driven. So it still took me about a year to launch my podcast, which tells you how much work was involved. Um, so I think also it was the first year for Spotify signed up, I think. And I think since then they've learned a few things and I think they've implemented that kind of going forward into the next couple of years. And I think it's a far more comprehensive program now. Um, but it was a bit mixed that first year. Um, I think the thing I valued the most, I think, out of, out of the aftermath of that was just the support from Alex Ide, I think, who you know, and um, James mm -hmm. and a couple of people. They, were, they really believed in what I had to say. And that belief really, really helped. And I remember speaking to Alex saying, oh, um, should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? And we had a couple of calls scheduled in. So that helped more than anything else. Right. I think uh, there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are obviously interested in podcasting, maybe people who do want to get into it. And I think the fact that you've just said that it took a year after that, some people might think, oh my gosh, do I need to put a year's work into it? But I guess you, you were just waiting until the time was right, right? Or you were happy and you were ready. And that's the key with podcasting. You're not being told by anybody, right, your first episode must be out by this particular date. It's just you've got the tools, you know, sort of how, how to go about it now. Um, just wait until it's ready. And I think a lot of people listening may be sort of relieved to hear that. You know, you don't have to set yourself these tight deadlines necessarily. Just just get the idea right. Be happy with your episodes. Do your research. Do your prep. Put it out when you're when you're happy and ready. Yeah, I think I feel like there's a there's a belief that somehow, you know, you can pick up a phone and record something and there's a podcast. Yes, it is a podcast, but is it really what you want it to be? Is it the best you can make it? Mm. 
So I think there's a difference between just creating something and creating something that you're immensely proud of. I'm really proud of Masala Podcast. Uh, but that took a year. Understanding, um, you know, from the, the, the tech, what did I want to use? Now, even thinking about, because the, the, the tone of the podcast is so intimate and so private, I wanted uh, a microphone that I could use at home, a recording equipment that I could use at home rather than call people into a studio. Because the second you get someone in a studio, they get really self-conscious. So that intimacy was more important to me than a studio space, if that makes sense. So each of the factors of yeah. that process, I had to sit down, I had to think through. So obviously I came into my setup after researching a lot of things and thinking about what the podcast was. Similarly, what did I want it to be? Did it have to be an interview? Would, would it have excerpts from my own life? So all of that, you know, so there is no... There is no recommended you should have a podcast ready in X or Y. It is entirely up to you. But I would just say, like, spend the time more than anything else to think about what this podcast is saying. Who is it for? How does it help them? Like, really spend time honing down the idea of it and the tone of it and the feel of it. Because once you kind of get that right and then release it to the world, and that's kind of what you're working with, Rather than, you know, jumping in to say, oh, I must have this ready in a, in a month. Yes, but is it really the thing you want to create? What is it that you want to create? What was it like, like the night before you knew the first episode was going to go live? Were you like laying in bed wide awake? Like, oh my God. Because re- the first time I put a <laughs> podcast out, I was like, is anyone but my own father going to listen to this podcast? And he's just being supportive, even though he doesn't care about the topic at all. So I'm just curious, how did, how did that feel? I was terrified. I really, really was. And I had this whole imposter syndrome thing going on as well uh, by the time I got to it. You know, when I went into the competition, I was like, I didn't know any better. So I'm just, here I am, I'm creating a podcast. But by the time I'd done it, I was like, my God, this is a big bloody world with a lot of really famous people doing this thing. And I'm trying to do this thing. Do I have any right to do this thing? Is anybody going to listen? Does anybody care? So, you know, it was all of these questions. So I was really, really terrified. Uh, And I remember, like, I think I had nightmares about sort of things going wrong, you know, like people clicking and nothing happening. uh, Or or the guests saying, oh, my God, but why did you use that bit? You know, I told you not to use it. You know, all of this stuff. It was just my mind. So I was bloody nervous i will kid you not i really was it's funny isn't it it, it shows it, well, obviously it shows that you you really cared but i remember the first time that i did a, a recorded a podcast i'd had the idea with three three other friends um and we were great friends and we knew each other really well and then we sat down to record and all of us were so nervous and it was really strange because they were talking about things that we talked about a lot it just in our friendship group and we thought, let's make it a pod. And as soon as we sat down, we pressed record and you saw that little flashing red light. We all just fell apart. And it was like, hold on a minute. This isn't live. Like we're not on the radio. People aren't listening to us live right now. It doesn't really matter. We can just be relaxed. We're also, we were recording in our own homes before the pandemic. So we, we you know, it wasn't like we were all together. We weren't on a stage it was ve- it was very weird, and it definitely took a few episodes to 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 stop feeling nervous and uh, and get over that imposter syndrome, like you say. And imagine for you with your kind of podcast, where it's 
interview based but i know it's sort of more intimate and more of a conversation than than than, than an inter- interview you were probably sat there initially thinking well i'm not I, ha- I haven't trained in how to interview people i don't i don't have these skills do i and i don't know what to ask next have you found that you've got a lot more relaxed in terms of actually focusing on it being a conversation and listening to your guest whereas i imagine at the start there was a lot of what am i going to ask next how am i going to react to this and not really being that chilled out yeah, that's changed a lot, I think, from the first season to now. I remember the first sort of episode, preparing for days. You know, I did so much research and I had all these zillions of questions. And yeah. I said, I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to do it that way. And I think, like you're saying, Adam, I think you get to a point where you you learn to trust yourself. I think that's the mm. crux of it. And you learn to trust that you as a person are connecting, really connecting with the guests you've got. And therefore, you're going to ask the right questions at the right time. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a there's a huge um, kind of journey there. And I think coming back to something else you were saying, I think the nerves also come from the point of view that you're putting yourself out into the world. Like for me, this podcast is very personal. I talk about very deeply personal things from my childhood, from my life. So I think before I launched, there was a feeling that everybody's going to hear this, you know. I talk about this one episode yeah. where I talk about seeing myself naked for the first time, you know, when I was 11 or something, you know. So it's literally being naked in front of the world, you know. So I think the nerves yeah. came from there to say, oh, but what if they don't like what I have to say? But then you go to the other extreme where you're like, okay, well, this is me. I'm 48 years old, you know, <laughs> take it or leave it. And this is my life and this is my experience. Um so yeah, so there's a lot of, and I, I find that journey really beautiful in podcasting. Uh, and I don't know if other kind of forms of um, other media have this, because it's just you and a guest. And it's kind of your relationship with yourself, your trust in yourself, and then the connection with the guest. And it's so intimate and it's so close. And as you go through, you see yourself develop and change, get more comfortable, get more confident, uh, get comfortable with being quiet as well because initially when I started I'd, I'd always feel like well, I have to the second they stop I have to be ready with my question and now I'm like mm. no there can be a moment of two of quiet and that's fine but it's getting comfortable in the silences getting comfortable in your own voice in listening in your own skills you know so I think it's beautiful Definitely. and it's such a podcasting thing I love that about podcasting I think there's also an intimacy between the podcaster and the audience, too, that builds over time, because uh, we've all seen it now that like your audience becomes because because the listening experience is very intimate. You know, people don't typically hang out together with friends in a huge group and listen to a podcast. I'm sure some people do, but most of the time it's something that's just inside of your ears or maybe like now that a lot of people are at home working and stuff, it's just playing from your computer and things. And so what has your relationship been like with your audience as the the show has developed? That has been the most phenomenal, most kind of like, it gives me goosebumps every time I talk about it because I mean, it's what a year, three seasons in and I've had hundreds upon hundreds of messages and emails and Instagram messages and all sorts from South Asian women from all over the world. Uh, and there'll be things like, oh, you know, I was in my car, I was driving, I turned on Spotify and your voice came on and you said this thing to me and you know, this is exactly something that's happened to me. Oh my God, it's so amazing to hear our women talk about this. 
Uh, I've had people write to me to say, you know, I'm going off to university. Someone from the States wrote to me the other day. Uh, I'm going off to uni in Iowa, and there aren't many South Asian women in Iowa, but because of you, I feel quite comfortable in who I am and my culture and what parts of my culture I take. So thank you. So it's it's just messages upon, I can't even remember all of them. I try and save some of them just because in that kind of odd moment when you're editing something at, I don't know, two in the morning and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? And then you listen to this and you're like, okay, this is why I do this. Uh, so it's been phenomenal. Like there's been so many, 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 many messages and almost 99.9% of them have been really positive and really tells me how important this is, how needed this is in our community. Um, and there's, there's, I think what you were saying earlier about kind of the medium where you are in someone's ear. You know, I'm in the ears of the women from my community talking about deeply personal things. And it's almost like a shorthand of our culture. So I can say, I don't know, like saris and samosas. And they get it immediately. They know what it is. Or I can use uh, a word in Hindi and they get it. So it's almost like we've got this very intimate language going on uh, between us across, I don't know, oceans and um, mobile phones. And it's amazing. And there's a real sense I have of this community of um, listeners and audience, what I think of as like South Asian sisters almost, kind of connected through this podcast. And all hearing each other, all supporting each other. Uh, and it's just, it, it blows my mind right? beyond anything I can tell you. Like beyond, you know, it's been amazing winning the podcast awards and, you know, it's been thrilling. But this is the stuff that keeps me going. This is what keeps me really, really, really excited. I bet. We'll definitely get to the podcast awards because I do want to ask you about that and how that felt and whether or not that was a first time of winning an award for uh, for the podcast. I believe it was, was it? Or had you been... Um nominated before at the british podcast awards let's just talk about it now yeah <laughs> british podcast awards british podcast awards yeah. 2020 yeah. uh got nominated for yeah, two okay. awards and i won one for silver for best sex and relationships podcast this okay. year got nominated for two i won two silvers for best in sex and relationships and best interview podcast which i was particularly mm-hmm. thrilled about because that the the, the other sort of competitors were uh, guardian and you know What's the other one? Channel 4. Yes. So those are the other. And there's me wow. with my little kitchen studio. <laughs> I love it. I'm quite thrilled. That's amazing. I felt really, really, yeah. really thrilled. I bet. And that means you get to keep the little uh, the little crest on your artwork, right? Yes. Or, you know, whenever you're doing anything, you can say that you're an award winner. It was hugely, hugely exciting because I think within podcasting and probably a lot of podcasters will identify with this because it's, it's just you and a microphone. And a guest. Mm. And that's it. You haven't got kind of big audiences. You haven't got rooms telling you that what you're doing is worthwhile or good or any of it. So you kind of almost produce it into the ether and you send it out. And you have no idea beyond kind of audience members telling you. So something like winning at the British Podcast Awards two two years in a row has been such a boost um, to me. Such a boost to kind of believing in myself as a podcaster because you can imagine if you don't come from the industry you're like okay I've only done this for two years and all of these people have been doing it for zillions of years or you know so believing that what I'm doing is good believing that um, it is appreciated within the podcast industry um, also 
knowing that the voices of South Asian women and the kind of experiences that we have, which are specific to our culture, do resonate with a wider audience and they get it. Um, and they are kind of supportive of this experience. I think that means a lot as well. Um, I was conscious that, you know, I think at the British Podcast Awards, I think there was me and then there's Brown Girls Do It Too. And we were the only other only Asian women, I think. I don't remember anybody else. So it's, it's not, you know, we, there aren't many brown women podcasters. So I think it's, it's important mm. to sort of be in these spaces. And it's amazing to win awards because then that means that the work you're doing is, is worthy and worthwhile and good. And it just motivates me to kind of keep doing more of that. So to bring it back to, you know, the podcast, our podcast, um, hopefully one day Jordan will get one of those little wreaths. I mean, that's going to be tough, isn't it, to get to, Are, to Do we even count? Because half of the podcast isn't British. So I don't know. There's oh. an international category. I Did present... I ruin it? No, 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 no. There's, okay. uh, I presented an okay. award for the international category at the British Podcast Awards. So your podcast could be in there. For sure. Here we go. Yeah. In fact, we're hedging our bets because, yeah, that means we can enter all the American <laughs> ones as well. We've got it all covered. <laughs> this is this is kind of why we set it up. Um, so it's about the first time. And obviously, you know, you were, you're here to talk about, and we have been talking about the first time that you uh, created a podcast. At the moment, it is it remains the first time, right? You haven't, you haven't gone out and uh, set up lots of other ones because I'm sure this one is keeping you busy enough. If you were to set up another podcast, though, and maybe in the future you might look to do something a bit different, something with a different format or with other people, um, do you think, you know, what, what, what would be your main takeaways? What what would be um, the, the couple of things that you did the first time around that you're like, yeah, th- those were key. Those were key for me and key for anybody listening who might want to set one up. I think... Um really spending time to investigate what the purpose of that podcast is. What is it serving? So if I were to, I don't know, tomorrow set up a podcast about sex, which I talk about a lot and I love to talk about, so I'd love to do a podcast about just about sex. Uh, but w- what is it about? Like, why is it, why am I doing it? Why does it have value in the podcasting universe? Do people really need another podcast about sex? If it isn't, wh- what is the angle? So basically, how is it serving the community that you're trying to serve? So I think that's the t- that's the thing I would spend a lot of time really thinking about and investigating and um, honing into, and then kind of get into other things about what the format is. Uh, and I might try something different. Having done the interview thing, I might try something completely different. You know, there's so many exciting things you can do now. You listen to people's podcasts and you go, wow, I wish I'd done that. Uh, or that'd be an interesting thing to explore. But I think always for me, it's the concept of why you're doing what you do. And I sound very repetitive when I say this, I know, but I think it's so important to get right because we can get lost in the, the style over the substance and that in the long term doesn't really win. I think it is what you know, the, the content of what you're doing always, always wins. Even if you, I don't know, record in a dodgy microphone if you have something worthwhile that you're saying people will find you and connect with you and grow with you fantastic all right it's so funny because um uh before when we were talking about like bringing like having like a a south asian podcast awards um 
I was thinking about when we recorded for the Himalaya podcast and you were telling us that you like, you know, there's this like feeling that podcasts are just white men talking about football. And I was like, I would love to hear South Asian women talk about football. Like that would be an awesome podcast. That would be. And like, because I like Adam is so sick and tired of listening to me talk about football because I've only recently gotten into football. And it's just I find it so exciting because there are a lot of American sports that are very boring and slow, whereas football is like it's 90 minutes and then I can move on with my life and my day. And it's just perfect for me. But I would just love to hear more. I mean, there's so many topics out there, right, that we would love to hear more, more diverse voices. So even as a non-South Asian woman listening to your podcast, there's still things that you can connect with. And I think that's another part of podcasting that's so brilliant is that because there's so much of it out there that you can just click on things and be like, I don't know that I'm the target demo for this, but like, wow, something that this person just said, like really spoke to me about like relations between mothers and daughters and sex and things like that and bodies. And like, it's all just really powerful. So I hope that more people hear your podcast and then say, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast on South Asian women engineers or something like that, because I bet there would be just really powerful. Absolutely. And I think that's the key there, because if we manage to show other people that our voices have value and whatever we whatever our obsession is I don't know about candlesticks or engineering or football or whatever it might be that uh, if we are obsessed about it and if we're really passionate about it other people will be too and that then the way the way we approach it that has value that's the beauty of, of of a podcast I think so I think if more people heard that and really believed that I think it would be a far more interesting landscape in the podcasting world agreed for sure yeah i think if people are listening and they might think yeah that's fair enough but i'm into something really niche and i doubt anybody's talking about that then i think you'd be surprised if uh, the amount of different podcasts i've listened to through through working for pod bible and doing writing reviews and trying to trying to get a wide range in the magazine and on the podcast it's absolutely incredible and i realize how sort of um narrow my 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 sort of selection of podcasts were at the start i used to think i listen to a decent range and then when i look back i think actually no i don't really it's pretty much all guys and it's pretty much all guys talking about pretty you know like films or music or stuff that the majority of people are into but there are all these little niche subjects and there's all these amazing presenters and uh, charismatic people experts in their fields who just haven't necessarily got the audience that they potentially could get yeah and um yeah if if you're listening and you're thinking yeah cool but i don't know if they're you know are, are people really into to i'm trying to think of something really niche there sangeeta you're good at bringing up good examples like candlesticks i've got this um, <laughs> this, this is like an indian tiffin carrier it sits on my desk so oh if someone wants to do a podcast about an indian tiffin carrier i'm sure there'd be a market for it <laughs> okay That's now i wish niche. we were doing a video podcast because yeah yeah but yeah there are just search for it in your podcast app or ha- you know have a look in pod bible because we do try and champion some of these things this isn't the pod bible podcast i've got to remember that um, but yeah there will be a podcast out there for you 
I mean, like when so my first podcast was two women talking about professional wrestling and it got even more niche because it became two American women talking about British professional wrestling. And it was such a fun experience because one of the things that I think the British fans loved listening to tell us answer our questions where we were like, I don't know what a deep fried Mars bar is or like what it has (laughs) to do with Scottish people. Can someone explain that to me? And so like that was a, a really fun way to kind of like build that community and connect with people. But what was also really interesting is that when when I started the podcast in 2016, I thought I was the only woman doing it until people were like, oh, have you checked out these women or these people? Because, you know, there's like non-binary people who are doing wrestling podcasts and, you know, there are all these different perspectives. And so it it sometimes you think like no one want to listen to this. And in reality, like there's somebody who's who's bringing a different perspective that you might kind of like help to build a community with as well, which I think is just there's nothing better than finding somebody that makes you feel less alone. Right. You feel you don't feel like you're the only one. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, and that's the beauty of of podcasting. And that's the beauty, I think, particularly within podcasts like mine, because this is what people say, you made me feel less alone. You made me feel less alone battling this thing. You made me feel less alone in my culture. You made me feel less alone within the country. You know, so it's kind of other people who are experiencing what you're experiencing. And then you feel like, oh, if they figured it out, and there's a way around this. I think absolutely, that's the nail on the head. You feel less alone. And that's the point of the work we do, I think. Another perfect ending to an interview. Just loved talking to Sangeeta about bringing more people into the podcasting community and, you know, getting into your your niche subject. Don't be afraid. There's definitely an audience out there for whatever it is you want to talk about on your podcast. I mean, last week we talked about eating people on this podcast and people listen. So she's right. True. (laughs) She really is. Yeah, I love that chat. Um, we've been lucky enough to work with Sangeeta on a few different projects over the years and uh, she's lovely so hopefully there'll be other things we'll do do with her uh, in future but yeah thank you Sangeeta for that and hopefully that might have inspired some people to to start a podcast you don't need to have the backing of Spotify or you know to enter some sort of competition you can just do it yourself it's all very easy these days so yeah give it a go. And if you've already started a podcast and you want to tell us about your first time experience, you can get in touch with us. Adam, how can people do that? People can email us at ftfepod at gmail.com or we have a Twitter page, which is at ftfepod. Should we talk about the first time things that we tried this week? Yes, good idea. These are quite different it's funny isn't it trying to work out what we're going to do each week i never know what you're going to suggest i i never would have predicted that you would have uh, picked dog therapy well um, it's not i'm sure this dog, there's more to it than that yeah it's not dog therapy i didn't take my dog to a therapist and let him talk out his childhood trauma i am taking him to training so that he yeah. can become a therapy dog and visit my mom at the nursing home so that's it okay well tell us about it how did it go So it went really well. We learned all of the different things that are going to be on the first test. So there's two different certifications that you need here in the U.S. The first one is called the Canine Good Citizen Test. 
um, where they test Ooh. things like making sure that the dog doesn't freak out when a stranger comes up to you, um, that they understand basic commands like sit and down, that they don't jump up on people. Because obviously, if you took a dog into a children's hospital or a nursing home, you don't want them jumping onto anyone, especially because right now he's a 64-pound, eight-month-old, and he's only going to get bigger. Yeah. So we learned all of those different things. He walks really nicely on his leash now, which is great. And so actually this weekend, I'm not making this my challenge, but this weekend we're going to try taking the canine good citizen test because he's not an aggressive dog, so he can't fail the test. He either passes and then we get to move on to the next stage of training or he gets a you need a little more training and then come back and take it again. So Maybe next week I'll just give a quick update on whether or not he he passed his test or not. But definitely, yeah, yeah I want to know. I'm sure the listeners will want to know. I love the idea that he's got a test, but he has absolutely no idea. You know, he's not going to get nervous for it. He's got no idea what's coming up next. I'm going to stay awake all <laughs> night and worry, but he he'll go to sleep. It'll be fine. Yeah, great. Okay, ah, oh, amazing. And what is his name for the listeners? His name is Brinkley. He's a golden retriever, and he's named after the golden retriever in the movie You've Got Mail. Good luck, Brinkley from everybody at FTFE pod. <laughs> it's me, basically. All right. Well, my challenge this week was to actually properly sit and take in some ASMR. For those who have never heard of ASMR, it kind of, I think it, it's probably been around for a long, long time, but I think it was a couple of years ago when, when people started talking about it on podcasts and I saw quite a few articles about it. And obviously it's huge on YouTube now, but it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response um, sometimes autosensory meridian response. And it's basically a tingling sensation that typically begins on the scalp and moves down the back of the neck and upper spine. Uh, and there's all sorts of different things that can uh, make you have this response. So I went down a little rabbit hole on YouTube trying to see if I'm susceptible and I'm the kind of guy who will get those tingles down my neck. Um, I am 100% not. It was really... <laughs> Ah, uh, because there may be people listening who do get the response so i don't want to be der derogatory and i don't want to say it's all nonsense because it oh, clearly it isn't it is a thing but for me i was mostly kind of creeped out by it um i watched quite a few different ones i watched some whispering videos i watched some crinkling videos where people sort of just crinkling paper um and foil and things i watch hair play videos where it's just somebody very close to a microphone combing like a fake doll's head and then playing with the hair so you get the sound i watched present wrapping towel folding and i gave all of these videos at least a few minutes i got no response apart from the whispering one being quite creeped out i got kind of tingles but they were like shivers of discomfort um here is a little clip from the whispering one Jordan has just thrown off her headphones. Today, I promise to treat you in I don't like this at all. Very no, I can't. Okay, I've turned it off. Uh, Jordan didn't really listen to that. She had to take off her headphones immediately. That's kind of how I felt. So, so, th so this lady was, uh, she's very, very popular. I think she's a, a Russian woman and she's got millions of subscribers. She does all sorts of ASMR. And this was her pretending that she was running a, like a salon type place and she was talking about pampering you. But the whispering was just, oh, no. 
Not into it. So, okay, I have a couple of questions. First of all, mm -hmm. have you ever listened to any of the like calming like podcasts or anything like that where it's somebody just sort of like not whispering but like talking quietly and either telling a story or just kind of saying like relax breathe on the four count or any of those things because I actually find those things to be very relaxing I don't have the ASMR response to them but I like them a lot but the whispering I think part of the problem is that her microphone was picking up lots of weird background like just the sound of the room and it just yeah i think people seem to quite like that that it's really turned up so it captures every little thing like any mouth noise of the, of the lips parting and all that kind of stuff but yeah because i've got the headspace app and there are bits and bobs on there where it's just literally just nice chat and it's relaxing like you say and the the main woman on the headspace app i love her voice and i think it's really calming um but yeah not for me. I'd love to know if we have any listeners who are into it. And yeah, 100% no judgment from us. <laughs> We're not into it at all, but I'd love to know what you get from it. So um, do get in touch if, if it is for you. But the, it is not for me. The hair play thing was interesting to me because it reminded me that it's been a really long time since I've been to a hairdresser. And one of my favorite things in the world is when they like really rub your head when you get shampooed and I was like that probably gives me the ASMR feeling where it just like really makes me feel like kind of tingly but like relaxed at the same time but the sound yeah. thing I also think that I have a like an oversensitivity to sounds like the chewing in the first episode made me also pull my headphones off so maybe I have like whatever the opposite of the reaction to ASMR is which is like too much mouth sounds I can't I'm just not no. not good for me it's weird to think that you might be sat there having your like a little head massage before you have your hair cut or your hair wash or whatever. And there'll be somebody sat next to you being like, that sounds incredible. I'm getting tingles <laughs> down my spine. <laughs> Prefers to actually hear it rather than it happen to them. <laughs> That's really funny. Anyway, so there we go. Those were our first times and I will not be revisiting mine. That's two in a row. Pilates and... Um, ASMR that I won't be doing again I should say that the first one I did Da Bomb the hot sauce I had again at the weekend oh, and did? Uh, with some friends and it was very amusing but... did you try more like did you do more sauces than just that one yes okay yeah tried loads and what happened was I had Da Bomb and I had one that was slightly spicier and then all of the others I tasted didn't taste spicy at all they all just tasted like ketchup D did you do Da Bomb first is that what you're saying no, I did a few. Then we did the bomb. Then we did uh, the last dab, which is the final source mm -hmm. on on that YouTube series. And then then I went back and tried some other ones, and they just had no impact whatsoever. I wonder if you've like killed part of your <laughs> taste buds. Now. Well, I've realised that every single meal I've had since then, this, so that was Sunday, and today's Wednesday. I, it's I've had spice a spicy meal, or I've had hot sauce on it. So yeah, this is a problem. Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah. All right. So all that's left to do is to pick out what we're going to do for our first time or for the first time in time for episode five next week. Uh, what have you got lined up, Jordan? What are you going to do? I am going to, I think babysitting is the wrong word, but I'm going to watch two teenagers this weekend. My cousins need someone to watch their kids. And so I am going to go and probably hopefully prevent a house party from happening. Oh, wow. Or be the, the coolest person at the house party. 
actually that wouldn't happen would it anybody over 25 isn't cool to a teenager i have too much gray hair to be cool to anybody i mean i i I, my hope is that anybody who might try and come and give me a hard time like i'm a heavily tattooed person and you know i'm a very tall lady and so maybe they'll be intimidated by me but i'm definitely not going to be mistaken for someone who's cool so have you ever done any kind of babysitting like for toddlers or so what's funny is that there were no children in my family until I was 17 years old. And at that point, I was like a senior in high school. I was getting ready to go away to college. So I didn't really do a lot of babysitting for, ironically, these cousins that I'm going to be watching. So I watched Ah. them a couple of times when they were really little, but not really since then. I've actually, when they've gone away with their, you know, the whole family's gone away, I've watched their dog and I've watched their house, but I've never just like spent a lot of time with just them. But it's funny because my cousin was saying, I don't think you're gonna have to do that much because they have plans. Like they go and hang out with their friends and just make sure that they meet curfew and eventually come home at the end of the day. And I was like, cool, not stressful at all to be driving around their town trying to find rogue teenagers, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, I I mean, I kind of hope, and I'm sure the listeners will be hoping that it all goes wrong and there is some massive house party because <laughs> that would be a better story. I don't want you to just say, yeah, it was fine. Oh, uh, To be fair, though, if I come back and we record the next one and I'm like, well, you know, there's just a hole in the ground where the house used to be. I'm going to blame all of you. So there you go. Fine. Okay. Um, I am going to try pottery. Wow. So... I, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously I've made stuff from clay when I was at school and when I was little and things like that, but I've never really tried to do proper pottery. And actually, do you know what? I was inspired by Katie Burke, who does, uh, who did the artwork for us because ever since she did that um, and we met uh, on online and talked about it all, I started following her on Instagram and, you know, seeing that she's an amazing artist and she's like multidiscipline, isn't she? She does all sorts of cool stuff, but she has made some ceramics or i don't know if she, i don't know how she does it but i thought i wouldn't mind trying that so i went online and i found a website that sends out um little pottery kits i think it sort of took off during lockdown when people were looking for different things to do at home i've ordered a two-person one so myself and my wife hannah are going to uh sit down and have a go on saturday night and i'll let you know what happens and maybe share a picture if it's any good next week that's great. I actually have quite a bit of Katie Burke's pottery. So nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we should link to that next week as well. Yeah. Give Katie some extra props. Oh, maybe maybe we should ask her to come on the podcast and tell us about the first time that she did pottery. Sometime could be good. Mm-hmm. Could be good. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, let's. Uh, I thought you were going to say maybe ask her to come on the podcast and like, judge my <laughs> pottery. I was worried for a second I'm there. Not that mean. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I mean, we usually end the podcast by saying uh, how sort of grateful we are to Katie for doing the artwork and, of course, to Funkle Albert, who, spoiler, is my mate Matt. Um, but, yeah, his uh, alter ego in the music world is Funkle Albert. He he did all the music that you can hear. Uh, we're part of the ACAST Creator Network, which we love and are very proud to be. And I think that is probably it for this week, is it? Yeah, so that's it. This is it. That was it. That's it cut it Adam perfect (laughs) goodbye